Welcome to Truth Well Spoken, the official podcast for McCann Health and an opportunity to connect across disciplines, companies, and countries in our mutual pursuit of endless truth seeking. I'm your host, Matt Silver, and for episode one, we are chatting with the president of McCann Health, New Jersey, Jill Bean. Jill, thanks so much for taking the time for us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to do it. So, Jill, one of our producers suggested calling this episode, Jill Spills the Beans. Is that one you've heard a million times before? No, no actually, no, but that's good. Good, good, good. I'll spill right, the good. beans. That's, that's the episode title, then. It's official. Uh, you and I share an affliction, Jill, and that our, our last names are also words. Um, do you have a, a favorite nickname or, or bean-related pun? Um, I don't have any bean-related puns. I will tell you that for the... M- the majority of my young life, I was known just as Bean. That's just how, you know, people just use my last name all the time. That or Jilly Bean. That's kind of awesome. Um, so, okay, so let's start there with your childhood. So when you were a kid and people asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, did you know then that you wanted to be president of a New Jersey-based healthcare advertising agency? Absolutely not. I had no idea, not even in my, in my mind's eye. So what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a veterinarian. Really? Yeah. Loved animals, still do. And um, always, always figured that's what I would, that's what I would do. Yeah. So where did you take a turn into advertising? Is there a <laughs> moment that you can, you can recall? So funny. Um, yeah. I, after college, um, I was working for a market research firm. And I started to uh, really sort of get into the research and into what I was learning from people and got really interested in the way people's minds worked and choices that people made. And that's really what drew me to advertising uh, because I got a call, my first agency that I worked for was BBDO. And they called looking for this, Um, account planning role, which was like at that time, a very new role in advertising. And it was really all about getting at the root of what um, drove customers, how they think, how they feel. And it was right up my alley. And I took that job and never looked back. That's great. So I I do have to ask, though, then I hate for your dreams to be just uh, gone forever. Is there any way you can incorporate veterinarian uh, life into your your job? Well, sure, sure. Well, two things. I incorporated into my life in that I have three dogs and a horse. So I keep animals around a lot. Uh, And then in terms of incorporating it into my work life, I think there is an untapped area of veterinary medicine uh, that certainly is healthcare related and certainly um, is a place that we could look to grow our capability. Wow. Okay. So I don't want to pass by this too quickly. You want a horse? Yes, I have a horse. His name is Unexpected. Because he was. <laughs> he was very unexpected. But uh, he really is ridden by my daughter, not by me. Um, but he's a real member of our family. That's amazing. So, yeah. all right. So I want to fast forward to present day then. I think this will this will be uh, relevant. What is life like for you now outside of the agency? And I, I can only imagine the horse is a part of that. 
the horse is a part of that. Um, life outside of the agency is busy. Uh, I have two um, girls. One has just started her freshman year in college, uh, and the other is in eighth grade. So, um, and, and I live with my husband, and we have a very full sort of social schedule and a very full life kind of chasing kids around everywhere, uh, or one kid around now, um, and kind of keeping tabs on my daughter in college, which is a little new for us. I mean, it's not a little new, it's a lot new for us. It's a, a whole new world, um, you know, taking one quarter of your, you know, your family unit and putting them elsewhere has been a, has been an adjustment for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So Jill, leading up to today's recording, we asked you to come up with two truths and a lie. And okay. as we all know, McCann's positioning is truth well told. So mm -hmm. we're naming this segment truths well told and a lie well sold. <laughs> I love it. All right. So, uh, so see if you can see if you can sell it. What do you got for us? Okay. So when I was in high school, I went to a high school that had uh, ages seventh grade through twelfth grade, and uh, I was a what was called a peer counselor to some of the younger people. And Ethan Hawke, who's an actor, was in my group. I was his peer counselor. Wow. Okay. Okay. Number two. Number two. I cannot swim. Uh, I have never really learned. I'm terrified of it, and I just don't do it. So I'm just up to my knees in the ocean or in the pool. All right. And number three? Um, when I was um, in high school and early parts of college, I sang uh, with a big band, like a 1940s torch song kind of band. And um, I loved it. And uh, now I just sing in my shower. Got it. All right, this is interesting. I, I'm not gonna guess right now. We're gonna say this is a cliffhanger for the end of the episode. Okay. However, um, I'm thinking through these psychologically. It feels like right off the top, numbers one and three were very specific. And I'm wondering if you're if you're doing that intentionally, or if uh, if we should take a closer look at number two. But I, I'm going to give that some some thought while we go through the rest of these here. All right, um, marinate a little bit. All right. So now back to being president of MHNJ. Um, you started talking about this. Can you give us a little more of a, a run up on your career background on how you got here? Sure, sure. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, my first job in advertising was at BBDO. So I started out in the consumer um, world, you know, doing packaged goods, working on things like mayonnaise and uh, peanut butter and dog food and HBO and stuff like that. And um, that was fun. I really liked it. It was enjoyable. And I really got into it. Um, but I started after a number of years to feel like I didn't feel like I was doing something with a whole lot of meaning, you know, um, and I wanted to kind of explore what else was out there. And I happened to uh, connect with someone who was recruiting for um, a head of account planning uh, for an agency uh, in the healthcare sector. And I you know, always sort of had a fascination with, like I said earlier, how people think and feel, and certainly the relationship that people have to their health 
the way they uh, relate to it personally, the way they sort of connect to brands in the space, the way that they have relationships or not with their healthcare providers and that kind of thing um, is, is super fascinating. So I took that job, uh, never looked back, <laughs> uh, 18 years later, um, I'm still in the healthcare space, actually a little bit more than 18 years. Um, and I, you know, just have ever since been really, really interested and fascinated in how you can take the way that people feel um, and help them uh, through providing them excellent, um, you know, excellent solutions that meet that meet their needs completely. So yeah, that's how I got here. Okay, that's great. Um, all right, so now let's get into some more challenging topics. I've been lobbing some softballs to you so far. Uh, okay, <laughs> Jill, I'm not sure if you follow the news, but we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, it's, it's hard enough to be a leader when there's not a global pandemic. How are you handling the weight of this in the face of constant uncertainty? Yeah, it's a really excellent question, and you're absolutely right. It's hard enough to be a leader, but then throw this on top of it. Uh, what it has taught me um, is that being connected to people and developing really strong foundational relationships is incredibly important um, because as we are not with each other, uh, we are really utterly relying on those of us around us um, to, uh, you know, to be accountable to the things that they say they're going to do and to hold us accountable to the things that we say we're going to do. And now more than ever, I believe building that trusting sort of partnership is critical. Um, I think you get a little bit more leeway from people when you're actually with them. Um, your relationships can build faster. You have more opportunities to be in each other's company to kind of just, you know, see how people operate and how they work. But in a situation like this, we're sort of taking people's word for it. And um, so I think that's been a huge lesson learned here. And I think it's something that's been um, something that I've strived for very much to ensure that I'm connecting with people on a very real, very authentic um you know, just very basic human level. Yeah, I've been impressed at those who are new uh, to any agency who have started during the pandemic. Because I, I feel like for the most part, people have been able to get in there and and uh, I still know them, despite the fact I may have never met them in person. Yeah. Um, in a lot of cases, I do have this single image of them in, you know, a nice suit and tie because that's their avatar on Microsoft Teams. Um, <laughs> But do you feel like that is still possible uh, for somebody to come in new and still learn the rules of the road and the tricks of the trade without being there in person? I do, but I think it takes a real conscious effort to make that happen. So the way that we onboard people, the way that teams are very generous with their time, um, the way that they, um, you know, reach out to new people and, you know, intentionally call on them in a meeting if they're being kind of quiet, just to give them the signals that it's okay to speak, to be part of the team, uh, to, you know, to jump in, to try to have a little bit of fun. Um, I, I really think it is possible when you do those kinds of things. Um, but if you aren't making uh, a conscious effort to do that. And if you're not intentional in that way, um, I could see that it could be a lot more difficult. 
Yeah, I think that's very good advice, especially since, um, you know, as you have said, there isn't really a timeline and it's a difficult question to answer. Um, all right, so let's move to some happier news. Now that you are president uh, of, of these agencies, what excites you about being president? What gets you up in the morning? Um, what gets me up in the morning is the prospect of learning something new and doing something completely new every day. Um, you know, we are in a situation and in a world where things are thrown at us at a really rapid pace. So I really get energized by kind of, um, you know, the, the energy around trying to figure something out that's new with people. So I would say that that's quite energizing. Uh, and then I think the other part of it is, like I said, going back to this relationship building piece of it, spending time with people, really understanding uh, what they might be working through, uh, struggling with, needing help with, needing to be inspired by, and trying to meet people where they're at and to uh, to help them through uh, is a, another thing that really drives me to want to come to work every day. Yeah, and that's a great segue here because you're not just bringing people together, you're also in the middle of merging two agencies. Um, so to start, what is the biggest challenge you're facing there? The unknown and people's relationship to the unknown. I think that inherent in any change is a little bit of fear. And so I think one of the things that we have especially been up against is people not really being positive about what this you know, change means and not really being positive about how they can relate to the other people that are also coming into the mix and being integrated with them. So I think that's been uh, a, real, a real challenge, being able to provide the right amount of information to people, um, not too much, not too little, but just the right amount to help them understand where you are in the process and what we're doing and why we're doing it this way, uh, and being, you know, being very um, transparent um, is important. And that's, you know, that's challenging when you've got, you know, almost 300 people that you're trying to uh, combine and pull together and kind of get everybody rowing on the same, uh, at, at the, in the same direction. Yeah, and your your solution for that challenge, um, or at least one of them, I know, is you've been doing what you call listening tours around the agency, um, where you've been trying to hear as many people's voices as possible in uh, in small groups, um, maybe even one on one. What is the biggest surprise or key learning you've discovered during these conversations? I would say the biggest key learning, not necessarily surprise, but a biggest key learning is that the agencies, the two agencies that are coming together are way more alike than anybody ever imagined. And what I mean by that is when you talk to people about the things that they believe in and the things that they value and that are important to them, no matter which agency you had been coming from, the same sort of thoughts and ideas bubble up. And so that has been really enlightening and I think a really a big key learning there. Um, can you give us an idea what some of those similarities are? Sure, yeah. Things like um, transparency, things like inclusivity, things like excellence and um, bravery, you know, these these 
these things that are really motivating to people and make people uh, want to work really hard and want to um, support each other really well and build great and deep relationships. These are the things that people here talk about. And I just, I have loved hearing people um, discuss how they feel about this and what they believe to be important. I, it's just been really, it's been my, um, my pleasure to be able to hear it all. So um, to that point, there have been a lot of conversations around agency culture. Yeah. And I think you've hit on this already. Uh, you know, I know there are concerns that the culture is different between these two agencies, and yet you're hearing a lot of people say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm actually going to quote you here now. Hopefully I don't butcher what you said. You can tell me if I do. Uh, but you said... Your plan is to take the best of us and create something exciting and new. Yes. So, uh, so that's really interesting. But this is my question about that, and it's it's two parts. Uh, one, how does how does a person even define culture at a company like this, especially for an agency this size? And part two, how do you bring everyone together behind it? Okay. It, those are good questions. And they're really, they're very, very related. Uh, I wanna first say that I believe culture is something that exists within us already. You know, when when we talk about culture, it isn't like it's something over far away from us that we're looking at, it is us. And so being able to um, cultivate that and amplify that and take all of the best things that are already there and just kind of pulling that out of people um, is a real way of bringing these cultures together because we're pulling things out of people that already exist and are similar. So that's that's one thing. Um, and then defining culture, again, it is something that lives in us. So it's defined by who we are at the time that we are. <laughs> so everyone has an opportunity to impact the culture uh, for the better or for the worse. And so I think we have to look to ourselves and uh, look for ourselves in the culture. Um, And that's how I would define that. Yeah, I like that a lot, Jill, to say it's not really something that we're creating and then saying, you know, look over there, there it is, go get it. It's that it it is us. And beyond that, um, it's a bit of a moving target. So... That's a lot. There's a lot that uh, that I think we're all going to be thinking about moving forward. Do you feel that there will be a point where we'll be able to say, okay, now I'm starting to feel what the culture is and I can put it on paper? Or is it really just a, a moving target and it's what everyone feels individually? I think that everyone uh, feels it individually initially. And then they start to experience it with each other. And as we start to experience with each other, it starts to come into focus for us. And so I I really don't feel that culture is the kind of thing that you write and stick up on a wall and say like, okay, that's it. You know, these are the things that we are. I think it's more what we become together as a result of believing in those things, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's great, Jill. I like that. Um, okay, so we are just about out of time. So let's jump back to your truths well told and a lie well sold. 
Um, just to reiterate, number one, Ethan Hawke was in this group of your your peer. Uh, what did you say it was? The peer counselor. Peer counselor. Yeah. You were a peer counselor, and Ethan Hawke was one of them. Yep. Uh, number two, you cannot swim. No matter yeah. how much you try, you just you can't you can't pull it off. Sink like a stone. Uh, you just sink. You just you're just gone. Uh, number three, um, you used to sing with a big band, and now you mostly just sing in the shower. Yeah, all true. So I'm still I'm still going back to what uh, what I said at the beginning. You were very specific about number one. You might have been doing that to throw me off. But you went into the grades that you were uh, a peer counselor for. You were talking about school for a while before you even got to the Ethan Hawke thing. So I, I think that one's true. I think that number two, you just weren't as specific about it. You just couldn't swim, and that was it. And then number three, you used to play with a big band. I mean, that's got some, that's got some color. And now that you sing in the shower... That seems to me like if you couldn't swim, maybe you'd be a little nervous about being in the shower. You never know. So I'm piecing all these together. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say number two is the lie well sold. You are right. It is number two. All right. So, so let's talk about that. Are you actually a very good swimmer? Uh, yeah, I can swim. Yeah, I, I totally can swim. I like to swim. I love the ocean. So, uh, yeah. Okay, that's good. And Ethan Hawke, what's what's up with that? Oh my gosh. So yeah, so Ethan Hawke was in, I believe, the seventh grade when I was a junior or senior in high school, and um, he was, you know, just a regular kid in uh, the town that I grew up in, and he was part of this peer counseling group, and so it was, you know, my friend and I were co-leaders of this group, and. Once a week, these kids would come and would sit and would talk about the things that are going on with them and anything that they might need um, help with or chatting through. He, I'm sure he probably doesn't even remember it, but certainly, you know, we remember it because he went on to be, you know, Ethan Hawke. So was there a point in your life, Jill, where you, you realized Ethan Hawke was famous and you're like, I was his peer counselor? Fully. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, wait a minute. And I, I'm very friendly still with the, the person that, you know, that uh, I ran this group with. So, you know, there was a moment when we were both like, wow, that's crazy. He's, you know, he's famous. Yeah. Uh, and the big band? The big band. Oh, my gosh. They were called the Lamplighters. No kidding. They were like, um, you know, uh, I don't know how many pieces were in this band, maybe like 30 or 40 piece band. It was just ginormous. And so I learned a lot of sort of 1940s torch songs and um, I sang with them for a while and it was cool. It was, it was, you know, something unusual um, to do. And I liked it, although I'm really, I get stage fright. So as much as I like doing it, it always made me kind of want to, uh, you know, throw up a little bit before I would go <laughs> off stage. Sorry to say. No, it's all good. Okay. Well, you know, I hope that you're, your singing prowess and your interest in animals uh, and your your close personal relationship with Ethan Hawke <laughs> still uh, are big parts of your life as, as you move forward. Um, all right. Well, with that, Jill, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. 
Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for taking the time. This has been fun, Matt. Good to talk with you. Yeah, you too. Uh, that's all we've got for today. To our listeners, if you're interested in being a guest or you have an idea for a future episode of the Truth Well Spoken podcast, please send an email to podcast at mccann.com. Also consider subscribing to us on your podcast network of choice. Until next time, I'm Matt Silver, and this has been a Truth Well Spoken. <laughs>